welcome into another episode of Adams Plus One. It is Thanksgiving week, and we're very thankful to have Will Gray from Pinewood Sports on with us. Will, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. As good as I can be right now. You know, yesterday I just watched the Bears lose probably the most heartbreaking game over Matt Eberflus's tenure, and then I woke up sick. So I think it's the Bears. Uh, the Bears affected my heart and my immune system today. So I'm doing as good as I can be, but I'm excited to be on here and uh, talk and shop with you. Heck yeah, man. Uh, as I was getting ready, eating dinner with Katie, I was thinking, well, how was I going to open up the show? And I thought, oh, it's Thanksgiving. I can tie that in. And then I thought, I should just say, I'm thankful to have another Bears fan in here after that performance, just to sob with me a little bit, cry on each other's shoulders. It was tough. Very difficult. Unfortunately, there were a few moments, and I can't wait to dive into moments of the game where as fans, you're just watching and you're, you're thinking, what are they doing? This They're playing. I felt like they played not to lose. So we will dive in. But, hey, first, I want to um, give you a the opportunity to just let anyone, any listeners know about, you know, what's going on at Pinewood Sports. Also, just fill in any listeners about yourself, too. Give a little intro and background on yourself in any order, man. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. So um, my whole life has been revolved around sports. I never had much of an option as a kid. My father, a massive Bears fan. Um, I was actually born, uh, a day before a Bears game. He always tells me the story on that. Uh, I was born on Christmas day, actually. And then the Bears lost to the greatest show on turf the next day. I always remember that story, but yeah, born in, uh, didn't have much of an option. You know, Chicago Bears football is what I grew up watching. Uh, live, breathe and eat Chicago Bears football, which (laughs) is not always the easiest task, but sports have always been a massive part of my life. I played sports growing up. Uh, I always knew I wanted to do something within sports, whether that was obviously as a kid, play them professionally, doesn't work out for everybody, didn't work out for me. So I decided I want to talk about sports. I grew up listening to 670 The Score, ESPN 1000, all the legends who you know I consider my idols. And uh, I did broadcasting in high school. I, that's where I kind of you know found the mesh for it. I found the love for broadcasting and journalism, and I knew that I could mesh this in with sports. So Uh, Moved out to Chicago, went to Illinois Media School, and after that, uh, I thought about a few internships, but decided to take my own route and start my own sports network back in 2021. Um, It's called Pinewood Sports Network. A little backstory on the name. When I was 18 years old, I started a YouTube channel called The Pinewood Perspective, and that comes from perspective from the bench. My whole life, I was never that good at sports. I was always riding the bench, riding the pine, and that's where I got that from. So the perspective... From the bench, that was the name of the YouTube channel, Pinewood Perspective. So when I went off to school and graduated, I wanted to start my own sports network. I was coming up with the name. I stuck with Pinewood uh, Pinewood, and, and just threw sports network on at the end of it. Um, it's been a lot of ups and downs, and we're kind of back. You know, I took the entire summer off, rebranded everything, still working on the brand new website, redid the logo, new shows, new people everything and i it's it's been refreshing it still doesn't even have an identity yet which i think is the most beautiful thing about it uh i'm two years into this and i still don't know what works and i'm learning every single day and i love it you know some people would be like you need to find your identity and try and rush things and no i'm taking things one step at a time and gaining more small wins than you know trying to achieve this big goal that i know eventually will come one day but yeah that's kind of the backstory on pinewood um we do a live sh- a live show um, from 12 to 2 every day on Facebook. We are looking to open into Twitch, add more, get, you know, we're just, we're working together right now, you know, gaining chemistry on the show, taking our time with it. It's a process. I don't want to 
put all of my eggs into marketing when I know that the product isn't there yet. So we're just getting better at our craft every single day um, and trying new things. And it's a beautiful process. And then we also have um, my friend Isaiah, who I met with in the city. He's a a fitness influencer. He has a podcast based on uh, men's mental health, which is uh, a beautiful thing. It's awesome. I occasionally hop on and talk about talk with him on there. Uh, it's his show. He runs it all. He does a great job. So that's another uh, interesting aspect, I would say, to the sports network that, that, you know, kind of can pull people to our network that where, you know, even if they don't love sports or their life doesn't revolve around sports like some of us, uh, they can see a whole new aspect of us, like opening up and talking about ourselves and our lives. So that's that's been an in, that's been a a good experience for me uh, trying something new like that, because every time I've done something live, it's revolved around sports. So to go on there occasionally on his podcast and help him out with that, because it is a part of the network um, and kind of talk about, um, you know, just life and getting through life at you know 23 years old. Uh, it's interesting. It's fun. Yeah, no, I noticed. Thank you for all that. And I noticed yeah. when you added Isaiah onto your network, I thought that was awesome because I could tell as a, fitness person myself like man that's cool to not just have a revolver on sports it's kind of layered right because in general most people that like sports tend to work out or even if they don't they're usually male and if they're male they're going through things so then there's your mental health and uh easily things just they tie together and that's awesome keep going man uh i mean that's that's all i can say i I think that's important just to add on to what you're saying too not having an identity or branding but the key is, and I love what you said, is just getting better at speaking about sports, listening, bringing people on, getting creative. That's that's the key. What works? You're throwing things at the wall and you figure out what sticks. Something I will say, I've, I've always found it interesting when people think they have to do so much and constantly create new things. I, I took a break like for a month or two, and I was so annoyed with the setup. I didn't want to always have to run to the studio and pay money to be in a studio. How can I do this from home, make it efficient? but have good content on the back end, right? Like making a reel after this. So it took time. It took me a month. I, I looked up different softwares. I tried things and I'm like, what the hell, man? How are, how are other people doing it? And it just, it doesn't happen overnight. So that's good stuff. No, it really doesn't. And, you know, I you kind of got to use uh, all you can. I mean, my apartment living room here in Chicago is literally our studio. Like I yeah. turned it into a studio. Like I had no choice. Like um, I can't afford to pay for a studio. Um being you know 23 years old paying a lot of bills and stuff like I can't afford that so I was like what can I do to you know use all I can and use all my resources that I have I literally turned my apartment living room into a studio I got the the soundproofing on the walls we got cool pictures and stuff in there uh we need to we need to uh advance it a little bit more the the Chicago apartments don't always work out the best right live shows behind me is just a blank white wall yeah and that's because there is uh it used to be a chimney there so it's straight brick and oh. then on the opposite ends of it there's drywall and there's like pictures all over it looks cool so we got to get like some special tools or we're gonna get like some can some cool canvases to fill that blank brick wall because we can't we can't hammer into it or anything into it, right that is that is funny i mean that is that is chicago though so there you go so you live downtown then do you live downtown? Yeah, I, I used to live downtown. Now I live uh, right on the outskirts. Uh, I live in Little Italy, um, UIC area. A lot of my friends moved, uh, went to UIC, so I moved out to Little Italy. My first year, I lived in the Loop, though. I lived right in the heart of the city, which was a nice experience, but I'll take Little Italy over living downtown, being from Belvedere. 
Uh, it's a small little neighborhood, little Italy, and everybody knows everybody. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. If I need to, you know, live that extravagant Chicago life or whatever, I can just take a little five minute Uber to the heart of the city. But at the same time, I get that small town aspect, that neighborhood vibe living in little Italy. It's, it's kind of like the best of both worlds over here. That is sweet. That is very sweet. So speaking of the best getting down to the heart of uh, the Chicago downtown, let's get to the heart of uh, yesterday. Why don't you just go ahead and tell me what was your what is what are your big takeaways from the game, watching it, seeing it all unfold? Obviously, a historic collapse, right? No team in that position, up three in the turnover margin, having the ball for forty minutes has ever lost a game. They found a way to do it. So, what is Will's reaction? Take it anywhere you want, man. Um, you know, there's obviously the immediate shock value of it, but. You let it sit in there for five minutes, and it's not surprising by any means just with this coaching staff. Um, It was the most disgusting game I've watched probably since, you could argue, Cody Parkey game or the Randall Cobb game. Uh, This had the opportunity to be Matt Eberflus's biggest win in his tenure. You look at his six wins, not many of them. You've got San Francisco, which was a – it's a big win, yes, back then – but it was Trey Lance, 49ers, whole different team. Mac Jones and the Patriots on Monday night. Um, the Houston Texans last year, Vegas, Carolina, and um, the Commanders this year. Not Nothing stands out to you. 0-9 in the division. He cannot find ways to win. This is the fourth time now where Matt Eberflus has had a 95% win probability in the fourth quarter, and he has lost it. That is all you need to know right there about this coaching staff, about this team and where they're at. And I will say, like, the game plan that they had yesterday offensively was working. As soon as we the Bears went down 14 to 10 at halftime, I thought the game was over. Uh, ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, is phenomenal at making adjustments. I figured the Lions were going to come out there right after half, score a touchdown, 21-10. It didn't work out that way. Justin Fields was putting together a long drives and the Bears offense seemed to be clicking and then you know the coaching comes in now the play calling wasn't the issue yesterday it was the the coaching aspect of how he handled the game clock all of that coaching situations fourth and one he decides to kick a field goal to go up 12 you sit there and you think about it yes you make this a two touchdown game you don't trust your offense to pick up one yard one yard and drain a little bit more clock. And even if you have to still end up kicking the field goal after that, that's fine. But if you can't trust your offense to pick up one yard, there's something wrong with you. And they continue to sit there in the media week after week and say, we have full faith in Justin Fields. But at the end of the game, in the big moments, they continue to take the ball out of his hands. When the only reason we were winning yesterday was because he was making plays through the air and with his legs. Now, his stat line is not going to sit there and scream at you, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert-esque. But if you watch the game, these were long eight, nine, ten-minute drives, drive after drive. It was consistent. It was beautiful. Lamar Jackson, like, honestly, very much like Baltimore Ravens, where they just wear you down, right? 162 yards passing with one passing touchdown, 100 on the ground with his legs. That just screams a Lamar Jackson game. Yeah, you know, his his cumulative stats are – that's why I don't like looking at, oh, Justin threw for 170 or whatever it was. Well, you add on 100 rushing yards and you think, oh, that's 270 total yards. That's yeah. a good game, right? 
And, yeah. and, and we have to remember they had so many turnovers. There were some short fields. So you're not driving all the time down the field. Like, you know, you're not 25 every time. I think I, I love every, everything you're getting at. And I think there were, there were two points decisions. Number one, I think, so when they, when it was fourth and one, they were up six. He kicked the field goal to go up nine. Yeah. Sitting back at that moment, I wasn't upset because obviously they'd went from four, four down, fourth down twice already and they had gotten it. So I thought, Hey, let's be aggressive here. However, I'm okay with making the two-score game when you go from six to nine. That's a big deal. But here's yes. what doesn't make sense, Will. And this isn't the first time I'll point it out the other time that it happened. And you're you're gonna you're gonna remember this last year, but third and seven. Okay, so wait, Justin Fields on third and whatever it was, 12, runs that huge run and is dancing. And he's one of those players when Justin Fields is feeling it, just let him have the ball. Yeah. And then they go, run, run. It's third and seven, you're up nine. And then you run it again. Yep. Now here's the thing. This year is about is Justin Fields the guy? I want to see him. In, I want I want him to have the ball there, and at least drop him back if he wants to run the ball. Let him have that opportunity. But I I want Justin Fields with the ball, and that is. Let's go back now to the Green. I said tied in last year against Green Bay. The last game, like the last time they played them, he drives them all the way down the field. Run, run, run. And they kick a field goal. And I don't yep. know if you remember that. It was a very similar situation. And you're thinking, he just he's on fire right now. Why are we taking the ball out of Justin Fields' hands when we're trying to evaluate is this the guy going forward? Okay. Yes. But as soon as you kick that field goal to go up 12, you're you're saying we're we're playing, we're playing not to lose. And and Matty Rufluz just wants to get the win because he's more worried, I think, about his own getting a W than he is his quarterback's future and like putting this. This is your team, which is what a lot of Bear fans have this issue, and I'm sure you've heard this, and I'll, I'll kick it back to you. We never have the GM, coach, and the quarterback on the same timeline, right? Feels like Eberflus right now is coaching for his job, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, he's not secure in his position. I think Ryan Poles is pretty safe. And then, obviously, Fields is in his situation. If the coach and the quarterback are in the same position, there is no, hey, we need to get this win. It's, hey, give the best player the ball. That's what yeah. we're going to do. I feel like there's, that, there's this weird battle between, you know, is it is it Justin Fields' team? Is Matthews Lewis going to be around? And then you get that type of outcome. Yes, of course. I mean, it's that's exactly what it is. You look at John Fox and Mitch Trubisky. Um, John Fox is coaching for his job, not really putting Mitch Trubisky in the best situations uh, to grow as a passer. He's had a game where they won, and he only attempted like eleven passes. Like that's and this is the this is the cycle with the Chicago Bears. This is, yeah. it's, and I'm a, I'm starting to fear that this cycle may be continuing on here. Um, hopefully not, but, and it's the same thing, Matt Nagy, Justin Fields, rookie year, Matt Nagy's coaching for his job. He is not coaching to progress a rookie passer. Now I will say he was letting him, he was letting him sling the rock and grow a lot, but he wasn't putting him in the best scenarios to protect a rookie and keep him safe. He was just letting him go out there and take hits and make mistakes, which granted sometimes does work out in progression. You have to get the mistakes out, but um, we all could agree his game plans were atrocious. Matt Nagy's were for Justin Fields. And <laughs> it's gotten worse here in Chicago with Matt Eberflus. You don't think it can get any worse than it can. No. Yes, Matt Eberflus is 100% coaching to save his job, not to grow anyone. If he's if he wasn't cro- uh, coaching to save his job, why is Gervin Dexter and Zach Pickens getting limited numbers when they are high draft picks? High draft picks. Um, and Gervin's looking great. He's got the second highest 
uh, pass rush win percentage out of all defensive tackles. Now, we're only behind Jalen Carter. Was it Dexter yesterday that tipped the ball that got picked? Wasn't was that Dexter? Someone got yeah. their hand on the ball. Yeah. Right? It, was, yeah. It, was, it was yeah, it was Jervin. He, he's 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 looking awesome. I love I love the draft pick. But why is he not playing more? Why are we still seeing Justin? Well, three Joe? and seven. We should be playing our young guys. Exactly because he's coaching to save his job, which I think at this point now, um, in the last what? Let's see what was. Uh, that Lions game of last year. So we're talking in the last 12 games now. He's got four losses, whereas win probability was in the 90s in the fourth quarter. So let's and, talk about those four because I think we can – it's got to be the Broncos. It's got to be that Lions game. Then the Lions game last year. Lions game then, last year. And the Green Bay game last year the where Green they had Bay a 10 going into the fourth quarter. Yep. And the reason that we were in those scenarios is because they were letting Justin Fields Play. win games and go out there – and then once they get that lead, they start going conservative, running the ball, running the clock, and instead of doing what's been working the entire game, it, it's really it's a it's really a disgusting thing. And Chicago's options moving forward are going to be limited because now Ryan Poles is going to have to make a decision here. You have three options next year. I think that the Chicago job is going to be uh, well. Hopefully, Matty Rufus gets fired first before we. Go into these hypotheticals. Matt Eberflus needs to be gone. I think that's a sure thing, um, but I think it's going to be a lucrative job opportunity for a head coach. Um, you have a wide receiver one. You have a young offensive line who is looking better and better each week. You're about a position away. I think the center position obviously is a massive need, but Braxton Jones could be a guy who could stick around. He's learning for a fifth-round pick. He does not play that bad of football. Darnell Wright looks like he's going to be a perennial pro bowler. Tevin Jenkins, when healthy, is one of the best interior offensive linemen in football. And Nate Davis is good enough to get the job. You're not going to have five all pros across the line, so you can handle having one guy like that. Exactly. It's impossible. You have a solid young tight end in Cole Komet. You have a great running system. You know, I know we run a solid RBC. We don't have a standout premier running back, but when they're running the ball, all three of those guys can get good yardage over the game. And then it just like, regardless, you have options at quarterback. You're going to have options at quarterback within the draft or at with Justin Fields. Now, I think as Bear fans, best case scenario is we can all agree Justin Fields is the guy. He works out, and you're sitting there with the number one overall pick. And you can find yourself in a similar situation as last year to move that pick. Now, a that more, a trade, more valuable, a more valuable pick at that, right? Yes, that trade will make the DJ Moore trade look like peanuts, right? Because we were talking about Caleb Williams, and Chicago should be scared. Um, Caleb Williams does have red flags. He is a phenomenal football player, the best prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. Yes. Now, things that we don't like his dad coming out into the media and talking about how Caleb Williams should have the choice to go where he wants to go, and the system is backwards, not a good look. Two, reports of him coming out and saying that he wants ownership stake in a team when that's not even allowed in the NFL, that's a big red flag. You've never played a snap, kid. You've never played a snap. Uh, three, not talking to UC, not talking to the media last night or two nights ago after their loss to UCLA. Where's the leadership qualities there? Stand up. Like, you need to go put the loss on your shoulders as a quarterback. Is the loss always on him? No, but that's what you do as a quarterback of a team. You put the loss on you, win or lose. It's on you. If you win, you say it's because of your team. If you lost, you say it's because of me. That's what your job is as a quarterback. Now, you have a player like Drake May. I like Drake May. He's 
you know, I don't think he's nearly as talented as Caleb Williams, but he is a great pocket passer and he has some mobility. And he seems to be one of those guys who just makes something out of nothing. Now, Bears fans are going to sit there and say, do we really want to draft another UNC quarterback? With That's the first thing that comes to mind. Exactly. Are we sure just want to go down that road again? <laughs> exactly. It just seems like a nightmare situation. No. And then you have Justin Fields, who we all love and we think has not gotten a fair shake here in Chicago. Um, granted, he does have some flaws. He's struggling to throw the ball with anticipation, which we thankfully did not see much of against uh, yesterday in that Detroit game. I could only picture one or two times where I'm like, throw the ball, like, there's many times throughout a football game where we watch Justin Fields play where we're screaming, throw he the damn one ball. Sack. He took one sack, which was right before the big run, and he had the check down, right? Exactly. But, exactly. but we have to talk about improvement, right? That's one sure. time over a course of a game. Yep. Okay, I can live with that, right? Because then he comes back and makes a play. Yes. So I, I can understand that, too. I think the game against the the Commanders, he threw those all those darts to DJ Moore. Will, some of those, like those hook routes and out routes, like he's not doing with great anticipation, but he has such a great arm and throwing an accurate ball. Like, if Tyson Bajan was late on that throw, it's pick six to the house. But yes. Justin Fields can be a little later on his anticipation and still make the throw. I yes. do think it can come with time, but it's not. he's not a natural anticipator. And one more thing, we have, like, no quick passing game. And we'll get into that about the end of the game. And they, and they have it with him. There are no quick slants, right? Nope. You don't see that very much. We have DJ Moore. I would love to see us use him on quick slants. We just – we don't do it. And I'm guessing – Getsy, who we can't, we can't, we have to give him credit. The game plan was great yesterday. He had a great game plan. There's none of that in there. And that that's something, that's the only thing about Fields is no, like anticipation and no quick passing game. And you look all around the league, right? Well, and you see a lot of these young quarterbacks coming in, CJ Stroud, even Bryce Young, they, they do have quick passing game. And Fields, yep. that's just not a strength of his. Yep. And I do think a lot of that falls on, you know, his, you know, obviously we saw those issues at Ohio State, Ryan Day drawing up a phenomenal college scheme of big play. He's a big play hunter. He always was. Nobody in Chicago is worried about his deep ball. He yeah. has the best deep ball we've seen probably in our lifetimes. He's right up there with Jay Cutler as in terms yeah. of Bears quarterbacks with the deep ball. He's extremely accurate. He With Justin Fields playing, they average, I think, eight uh, big plays a game, which is gains of 20-plus yards or something like that. Um that's fourth in the NFL while he plays, you know, obviously with Bajan, that was very limited, but when he's in there, that would be fourth in the NFL. He's a big game hunter. We've always known that. He, but... missed, he missed the first one to DJ Moore. I wasn't sweating. I'm like, he hasn't played in a month. The next yeah. one. I mean, I mean, dude, you talk about textbook step up and climbing the pocket. It was like beautiful to Whoa. throw the follow through the location. And I, I said, man, that's a statement throw right there. That's it a was... huge throw. Yeah, it was a dart, but with touch on it. It was like one of the best throws. You like we've seen him make those throws over time, though, yeah. and that's what is so infuriating about it. You seen when we had Mitch Trubisky, you know that dude can complete a five yard slant better than anyone, <laughs> as <good> as anyone <laughs> in the NFL. But holy, yeah, I mean, damn, he would be so infuriating because he could not throw a ball over twenty yards, and, and now it's like. Was- he couldn't process because uh, every time the Bears had a Sunday night game, I thought Collinsworth would do a great job. He'd show you the chart. Under two seconds, nine for 10, 100 yards. Over two seconds. I mean, it was like four for 15, right? He just, as soon as he had to hold on to the ball and really understand what the defense was doing, just wasn't there with that guy. So, so I want to know your opinion. What are you doing at the quarterback spot? What right now, I think it's unfair to say Justin Fields – we're, we have to trade him. We have to move on. It's very unfair because picking a quarterback 
where we did. And then you're, it, it's like a first round pick. Every pick is like a lottery ticket, but first round picks are like your big lottery ticket. And you're scratching that ticket off. And it's looking pretty good. Like if you look over his last four games, forget about, um, you know, if you look at his last 20 games, right, 15 or 20 games, going back to that really good run last year, Justin Fields has played solid. I mean, his percent, even completion percentage, I think he was like close to 70% yesterday. He's really not a, there was a moment early on I thought, oh, man, he's, like, he's struggling to get to 60 to 65% completion. That's not an issue anymore. So I feel good there. But we're scratching this lottery ticket off. It's starting to look pretty good. The thing I would hate to see is, so we're going to now take Caleb Williams. Let's say we take him number one overall. And then we're going to give him a new coach, a whole new everything. It's like, is it how much better, how much the premium that I'm getting for that, right? Versus this 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 ticket that I'm scratching off is looking pretty good. I could trade that pick and continue to build around that. I really want to see more consistency. I want to. I don't want to wake up as much as I. I think Matt Eberflus probably should be fired at the end of the year, depending on how it finishes. I don't want to see everything change again and go through all that. So I'm rooting for Justin Fields keeps progressing, winning some games, and then obviously it'd be great if we can't keep Eberflus. There's two guys I want to pair up with Fields. Number one. Ben Johnson. And I think he just put a clinic on yesterday and said, Hey, I think he did two weeks in a row to be honest with you, Will. He'd put a clinic against the chargers and he said, Hey, if you want to coach, I'm going to be available next year. He did the same thing with the bears. So that, that would be ideal. Obviously everyone's talking about Harbaugh. So I would love to see that. I'm rooting for that. If it doesn't go down that way, here's my scenario. I'm curious what you think. Luke Hendrickson, you know, Luke. Yes, of course. So Luke, Luke has nothing but great things to say about you. You're, he's a big reason why I wanted to link up with you. Luke really likes Drake May. And he said, because we're the Bears, I think ideal position, and I kind of agree with him, is we don't end up with the first pick, we end up with the second pick, right? And let's just say we have no control over it, they, they trade fields. Not what we want, but that's what they do. Someone takes Caleb Williams one, and then we have to take Drake May two, if that's the case. Because then we don't have the pressure in Chicago with our horrible history at quarterback of we passed up on Caleb Williams, right? No, we took the next best quarterback available. Okay. Yeah. So I would like to see that if that if it has to go that way. But my biggest thing in the draft is if we have two top picks, I want to leave the draft with um with Marvin Harrison Jr. Like if we can do that, man, especially like with Fields, like if, if the first scenario pans out and you add Justin Fields, DJ Moore, MHJ, and then when you trade back, you tra- not too far and you can get a good another offensive lineman, maybe a speed edge rusher, that would be ideal. That's what I like to see. That is a phenomenal scenario in my head. I think the the ideal scenario in my head is obviously a drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. and keeping Justin Fields. Do I think that is a long shot at this point? As much as I hate to say it, I think that we, I think that Justin Fields is one hundred percent going to find success in this league. But I do not think it will be with the Chicago Bears. I think that there's too much chaos around this team. That if you bring in a new regime, they are going to just want to start fresh with because I think it's too chaotic. But I would love to see a new head coach come in and say, Hey, we are sticking with Justin Fields. We're going to take Marvin Harrison jr. We're going to take the, I can't, I don't even want to try and pronounce his name. Alu for Alu, the Penn state left tackle who looks like the yeah phenomenal player. We're going to take these two guys with our two top five picks. This is what we're going to do. And um, we're going to build this team around Justin Fields. I would love to hear that happen. I would love to hear Ben Johnson come here and say that. I think honestly, if I'm being honest, I think Harbaugh is my number one. Um, I just, there's, it just, I, I, it's so funny because I talk about how much I hate 
1985 Bears and how much this this franchise holds on to the monsters of the midway and just can't let go of that era of our life. But it does scream kind of like a Mike Dicka hire to me. And um, in Harbaugh being a former Bear, having a weird, you know, he was there with Dicka and just understanding regardless winning in Chicago. That's all I care about. He's going to come in. He's an offensive mastermind. Everything he touches turns to gold. And why I think that it will be a perfect scenario is Kevin Warren being the former Big Ten commissioner and letting, you know, having ties with the Big Ten. That is a reason I could see Harbaugh wanting to come to Chicago. And I think Kevin Warren could convince him to do so. If right. not, obviously Ben Johnson. But so my number two would be Jim Harbaugh. Yep. And I would tell you, if it was if he gets picked, that's great either way. One thing I love about Jim Harbaugh, this is why I like the hire. We just tried another coach that didn't have any head coaching experience, Eberflus. So going to Ben Johnson, that's a red flag to sell the fan base and get me pumped about it. It's as simple as this. Everywhere Jim Harbaugh goes, his team has an identity. They're going to be more physical than you are, and they're going to be able to run the football. So I just love watching his teams because they're always physical. They have an identity, and it's easy to draft a team around that and bring players in to fit a true identity, which is why I love. You were going to say something else. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I just think uh, as well with Harbaugh is, you know, he had to face Justin Fields at Michigan. He knows a lot about Justin Fields, and you can say the same thing about Ben Johnson. They're going to know – what they want to do with the quarterback position. These are guys who Ben Johnson's faced Justin Fields numerous times now. Um, and the same thing with Harbaugh. He's got big time ties. Justin Fields is a big time guy. Um, so I think that's going to be another interesting factor. I could say, I mean, it's kind of looking like where Harbaugh, remember when Harbaugh went from Stanford to the 49ers? Yeah. He rode with Alex Smith. He kept he Alex Smith around there. He did. Um, then he ended up moving to Colin Kaepernick, yes, but I could see him coming in and being like, we're not going to reset the market, we're not going to go get a quarterback, we're going to take this. I keep calling this number one overall pick the Rockefeller pick. You think about the Rockefeller family, whoever's <laughs> born into that family is going to be rich forever. Yeah. So this number one overall pick, if you make this trade, this is generations of wealth that you're going to be getting. <laughs> <So true. laughs> that's a great, that's a great analogy. Uh, because I just keep thinking to myself, this dream scenario, we move back with this pick, we are going to get the biggest haul that we have probably seen in draft history. And it just seems way too enticing to turn up on. And Ryan Poles has that mantra of we are going to build through the draft. This will give you that opportunity. And building through the draft doesn't mean just selecting players. This will give you more ammunition to go trade for stud players. When you have two first round picks and probably over the next three seasons, you can move those picks to go get proven studs and not take a risk on draft hits and still have that pick to you have one pick to select someone and one pick to go out there and trade for proven players. It gives him ammunition. And that's why, you know, reports are coming out. He said, he's going to need to be blown away again. Exactly. But Caleb Williams wasn't in last year's draft class. Drake May wasn't in last year's draft class. So it's all going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Obviously, these next six games, uh, the schedule isn't extremely difficult. But with this coaching staff, I don't see wins happening. Um, Maybe one or two more throughout the year. They've got got Atlanta. They've got the Cardinals. They've got Green Bay. That's a no matter what happens. If Justin Fields balled out against Green Bay, I think we would all I think I think it would change a lot in there. Just about everything. We need to beat that team. Yeah, we've got them. Cardinals. Cardinals will be interesting now. You'll see Kyler and Justin Fields, two quarterbacks in in, in interesting, interesting position. So, okay, we've got a few minutes left. Let me ask you a question, Justin Fields. 
related. Is there anything that you want to see before the end of the year? That like, is it one or two things that you say, I need to see this and then, Hey, I'm good with keeping Justin and trading that pick away. I need to see more of what I saw yesterday. If he can continue to play like how he did yesterday and you know, the numbers aren't going to mean much to me. Yeah. It's beautiful to watch him throw for four passing touchdowns at 250 yards like he did against the Broncos and um, the commanders. Um, I just need to see more of what I saw yesterday. We watched him be fluid in the pocket. Um, he was using his legs at the right moment. He wasn't scrambling around uh, trying to make too much happen and taking sacks. And he was throwing the ball with anticipation yesterday. Like I said, we saw maybe one or two scenarios where he didn't yeah. do that yesterday. And he was making big-time throws in big-time situations. Yeah. Now, people are going to sit there and be like, oh, well, he fumbled at the end of the game. That did not mean anything to me. That didn't bother me at all, man. That, Tom Brady Tom Brady got strip-sacked in the end of the Super Bowl when he threw for 500 yards. I didn't walk away from the game and go, man, Brady is the reason they lost. It's like, hey, the defender made a great play. That was Aiden Hutchinson beat a rookie. Okay, yeah. you know, it happens. Exactly. I was That that meant nothing to me in any way whatsoever. That team wasn't going down the field in 26 seconds anyway. It, it was just a wasteless drive, if you ask me. But I just like all I need to see is more of what we saw yesterday: throwing the ball with anticipation, hitting the deep routes, being smart in the pocket, stepping up in the pocket. Don't. That was what was so awesome about yesterday. Every time we saw a little bit of pressure for Justin Fields in the past, gone out of the pocket, leaving too early to watch him step up and just deliver that ball to DJ Moore. That was one of the best plays I've seen him make in a Bears uniform. That made me feel like, okay, this kid can be a true quarterback in this yeah. league. Um, Go on. But I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm afraid it's going to be too late for him no matter what. He's going to have to really, really continue and stay consistent these last six games with his performance from yesterday. He's going to need to do what he did yesterday, but they're going to have to be some wins. And what I mean is if they're in games to win, they just got to get wins. And all I need to see really well is just in a two-minute situation, a true two-minute, not a 26-second, in a true two-minute situation, we need a field goal or go ahead. I want to see him convert a few of those. If he can do that before half, end of game, especially like we play Green Bay and it's, you know, 21-20, Bears have the ball, a minute and a half left. Justin has the ball. I want to see a win. And if you can do that in a few different scenarios with on top of doing what you're doing. The other thing that I thought he proved yesterday, and he's been doing a lot better this year since the Broncos game, he did it in the Broncos game, he's moving with his eyes down the field. And when Justin Fields does that, then you really have an elite like Patrick Mahomes. Like he's make, he, can make, he can make those plays you saw yesterday. He was rolling to the left, the sidearm to DJ. Opening drive in the first half, he hit DJ down the uh, down the sideline. Yeah. That makes you a dangerous quarterback in this league. And if he can do that, then it then the the lottery ticket's been scratched off. So I will say this though: it's a weird position to be in though when we come to pay him because he doesn't demand a two hundred fifty million dollar contract right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I don't even if you keep him, I don't even think you pay him yet. I think you just extend the fifth, fifth year, right? Yeah, and we have two years of really not having to pay a quarterback big money, so you're still in a really good spot. Yeah, and if you like, like I said, the the one enticing thing is if you can get a coaching staff in there with Justin Fields and it doesn't work out, at least you're going to have a coaching staff in there to draft a new quarterback instead of letting the regime draft one that you know you're going to fire after a year. That's the positives I'll say moving forward because there's very few. But that's the that's main the main positives. All right. Well, hey man, it's been a blast. Look, I'm excited to have you on. We only did we did a shorter show today, but I want to have you on before the end of the season again. We'll talk another game. We'll figure that off, figure that out off air. And I hope you had a good time. Now, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully, the Bears bring us a win this uh, next Monday. 
against the Vikings. I'll be looking for any posts on your social media. We had Will Gray on today from Pinewood Sports. I loved the uh, the story behind the name. I love. I, I think that perspective is awesome. So thank you for coming on. I hope you had a great time. And until next time, dude, we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.